want you to turn in your Bibles to... Actually, why don't you go to the book of Colossians, okay? We're going to look at two passages. I'll, I'll, I'll read the other text for you from Luke and from Matthew. So, Philippians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 4. Philippians, Colossians. Those books are right beside each other, so you shouldn't have any, any problem finding that passage when we get to it, okay? Um, last week, we started by looking at the phrase that begins... Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Salt simply meaning this. We are people of influence by God's design. And the earth is the context in which we function as people of influence. Someone made this observation to me. Uh, I forget where. Oh, I was talking to Bobby last Sunday night. We were talking about this. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of salt to influence a plate of food. That's something I'm working at learning. <laughs> you don't need that much salt. But here's the fascinating thing. God has called us, no matter how powerful or large we feel, God has called us to be people of influence where we live. And it, it doesn't, what the world needs is not a, a major dosage. They don't need like an injection. They need a sprinkling of the truth. They need people that are willing to walk out of this place on Sunday morning saying, I feel revitalized in my faith in Christ. I feel that my ability to influence others has been clarified and strengthened. And as I go from this place today, I want my life to make a difference. I'm going to join with God, as Carmelo said so beautifully. I want to join with God in making a difference in my world. I do not simply want to be a spectator in life who watches things happen and who accumulates stuff for personal benefit. I want my life to make a difference. Now, after I got done last Sunday, I had a strange thing happen. And I, I start reviewing my sermon in my mind when I leave, okay? And the parts I can remember, okay? Or the parts that I want to remember. And as I did that, here's what I thought about. I thought about the two illustrations that I gave you last week. And then God in his wisdom had somebody text me or email me saying very wisely, those illustrations both worked out positively. Does that ever go a different way? And here's my answer to your question. Because I felt this same way. When I get frustrated when, when preachers preach and they tell you all these stories about and in every story, it's like everything's going your way. Okay, it's like somebody said to me, and I think this was sarcasm, David Flynn. Actually, David Flynn and some other person in our church were having this conversation. Does he ever meet someone that's not a Christian? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Here's proof, okay? As I'm trying to live out what we're talking about, last night uh, I was at the gym. <clears throat> and this is kind of a two-on-four situation because... There's two pastors that show up at the gym on Saturday night at 4 o'clock. Me and Mike Bobick from Community Presbyterian Church over in Harmony. He is a born-again Christian. There are two men uh, that are lifting and, uh, well, four men that are lifting. And then two are Christians and two aren't. And the one guy I've seen there a good bit, I've interacted with him. I've never asked him his name, to my shame. Yesterday, whenever I said, hi, my name's Tim, what's your name? I see him there every Saturday at that time. He said, my name's Chet. So... I looked over at Mike, and he knows Mike for a long time because they've been lifting there for a long time at everybody's gym. And he said, I said, uh, I'm a pastor, and so is he. And he says, well, I know he's a pastor. 
He says, you're a pastor too. I said, you get the feeling that God is like starting to surround you? That didn't go over real well, okay? <laughs> Number one, okay? We didn't have a long conversation, okay? The second, there's this guy in there I have not seen before. I mean, some people are big, scary, big, tattooed. You know, the tattoos that are on the neck. I'm thinking if you have the courage to get them, I don't want to mess with you, okay? I just think you're, you're a really nice guy. I engaged in a conversation with, with him, and I was like, I was probably like shaking and got just talking a little bit. And I'm just telling you, okay, it didn't go real far. Okay, so in my experience of seeking to encounter people now, here, here's the difference, okay? <clears throat> Reality says that there are people I'm going to encounter in this desire to be influential. There are people that I'm going to encounter. I'm only going to meet them one time. Okay, in those settings, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit more direct, okay? Uh, I just say, you know what, it's an opportunity and I'm just going to seek to be God's light there. Bill, am I going to embarrass you if I say something? I won't? Okay. All right. have to ask. Not Bill, can you? Because Bill's like, what? <laughs> There's a Bill two rows in front of you. Okay, the Bill's sitting two rows behind Bill, can you? You can raise your hand real quick. Okay. And his lovely wife and his sister, okay? I met Bill in Frenchtown at the Bridge Cafe. I was out for a ride with my friend Harry Stoliker. And we just got talking, right? You guys were looking at the bikes, and we just got talking. And uh, anyhow, long and short of this, ended up with Bill's sister's number and called her and said, I would like to invite you and Bill and his wife, you guys, to come up to visit our church. And, uh, you know, th- this week he called me and said, we're coming up this Sunday, Okay. This well, let's go out to eat after church. No, you can't go with us, okay? We're going to go to the nicest place we can find, okay? And Bill, I, can I be, could, are we open, okay? That Bill is not, has not trusted Christ up to this point. His sister has. I don't even know his wife yet. So she's looking at me right now saying, I want to kill him. No. <laughs> that's okay. I've been murdered many times, okay? So, that's all right. But... You know, as we encountered, you know, who were you with? Was that your brother-in-law or a friend? Okay, a good friend. We walk out there, and for some reason I decided to say, and I never do this, we're pastors. And his friend says to me, I'm a born-again Christian, but he's not. Okay? <laughs> it was like that. I was like, whoa, what do you do with that? You know? I was like, so, and I hope I was appropriate with you, Bill, in, in interacting. Just, you know, we just got talking and uh, just exchanged the phone number and... and uh, Hey, yeah. Okay, I wasn't going to say that part. We prayed for him in the middle of the party. So we're going to pray that Christ will open your eyes so that you can see what he wants you to see. Not what we want you to see, but what he wants you to see. Okay? Look, all I want us to realize is this, okay? There are people out there who don't know Christ that we have the opportunity to be light to them. Okay? To say, God, use my life. I don't want to just go do what I'm doing without a purpose. Because it can become very self-centered and about me. Okay, so we need to stretch ourselves when we're at. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And there is no alternative plan. That's what we looked at last week. What we said last week was this. Your being salt and light requires intentional, I believe, daily heart preparation and decision. It will not just happen. And you live in a world Okay, in which many people, they don't know Christ. They haven't heard about Christ. They haven't seen genuine Christians. They've seen many Christians with a small c. But they haven't seen a lot of valid witnesses for Christ. So, 
You know, Jesus said, men do not light a candle and put it under a bushel basket. He's, what's Jesus saying? He said, that would be absolutely absurd. Turn the lights and throw baskets over them or tape them off with masking tape. It would be, you're like, what are you doing? But the truth is, many of us live a contradictory life in that way. We're not being salt out of the shaker, making a difference. We're not letting the light shine. It's on, but it's dim, it's dulled by preoccupation and busyness, and the air is cloudy so that there's very little intentional influence and impact for the kingdom. Here's a question for you this morning. Did you discuss, since last Sunday morning, with anyone, the intentional aspects of your Christian life? Did you call a Christian friend and say, would you work with me on this? Would you hold me accountable to this? Call from Christ to be salt and to be light. It will require intention. Something else that I, I thought about, because I get very concerned about this, it is easy for me to talk about a topic and, and, and encourage you in that direction. But the bottom line is, if I don't give you practical ways to do this in your daily life, and I try to share with you from my life the stupid things I do and the mistakes I make and the, the things that sometimes work out, I want you to know that it, it, it's an imperfect world that we live in. But it's a world that desperately needs to hear the truth about Jesus. And we're given this task to go out there and be the salt and be the light. So I thought this question in my mind. This being influenced requires being intentional, but it also requires being practical. Salt and light are very practical illustrations. I can get my arms around understanding what Jesus meant by those things. So let me offer you this couple of thoughts on being practical. Number one. Simple acts of service as a means of sharing your faith. Jesus talked about a cup of cold water when he illustrated to the disciples how they could make a difference in their sphere where they live. And they were simple, practical helps and ways that the disciples were to engage their world and to meet the practical needs that are present there. Simple acts of service. And you can create a long list. Another thing that you can do is this. Work at starting... And I'm going to use a word that I dislike, but I'm going to use it. Work at starting spiritual conversations. Okay, or gospel conversations. Okay, begin to engage people at the level of where their real and felt needs are. Pray for opportunities to engage people and to see what are the needs that they have that may be opportunities that God wants to use to show them the path of life. What are they? Colossians 4 and verse 5 says this. It says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Okay, that is a command that's given to us. Be wise, be thoughtful about how as Christians we can share the joy and abundant life that God in His mercy and grace has given to us. But it takes wisdom, it takes thinking it through, it takes praying it through. So that a burden begins to well up in you. So that like Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 33, he says, your word was in me like a fire shut up in my bones. You know what he says next? He says, I could not contain it. So much love, so much desire, so much passion, so much joy, so much truth. You know what Jeremiah said? I, just, I could no longer tolerate the silence in my life. And folks, so I give you this challenge. Think of ways to 
start spiritual or gospel conversations. When someone mentions a need, if you're willing to be sincere, not as a tool, but out of sincerity, say to them, I talk to God. Don't even say I pray. Say, I talk to God on a regular basis. Do you mind if I pray for you about that need or about that situation? Okay, that's not hard. But it lets people know that you talk to God. Okay, and that they have someone in their sphere of influence that they can take needs to. And you will find that this starts to happen. You can simply ask someone this question. Where do you feel that you are in your spiritual journey? It's just a general question. They may say, I don't want to share it with you. They say, that's fine. That's fine. But they may say, where are you in yours? What's your story? And folks, I'm not saying this as a means to accomplish a goal. I mean it as the means by which we live the Christian life truly. Where we start to care enough about people that we want them to know this joy that Carmel's talking about, that you sing about this. And I hope you struggle with the words. Okay, I struggle with the words sometimes. Why? Because the clarity of them brings a delight that makes me speechless. Really? Okay. To, to have that message pen up and never let it leak during the week to me is sad. I don't have any greater joy in my life than the opportunities that God blesses with to seek to be an influence for the kingdom of God. Because it takes life out of the self-centered, guilt-producing rut that most of us tend to live in in America. We buy into the culture. We live in the rut like everybody else. And no one knows that your life, your heart, is fundamentally different. But we have become very protective and private in our faith. Here's what I would say to you. I cannot find a private conversion in the New Testament. Not one. An unexpressed conversion. Proclaimed, particularly in the book of Acts, in the waters of baptism, where people go public with their faith in spite of the consequence. I can't find it in Scripture. And I don't think that there is Christian living that is private in this sense. Share the story of your faith journey. Share the wounds and injuries that have come out in your life, in your experience, and show how God has resolved those problems. And something else you can do is this. You can share the resources that God has given you. Folks, if you have a house, you have a resource. If you have a car, you have a resource. Let me take this a step further. If you have Christian friends, you have an incredible resource. Why not get the person that is a seeker around people that have found? I mean, do you know why Amway works? Okay, do you know why Mary Kay works? Okay. There are people that were looking, they found a product that they're excited about, and guess what? For, okay, I have to be careful. I have a word that come in my mind. I can't use that word. For monetary reasons, okay? People will talk about just about anything. And yet we have what brings lasting joy. And we don't talk about it. We have relationships that are characterized by Christian fellowship. And we don't share them. Folks, do this. Say to your friends, I have a friend coming over. Don't hide and be clandestine and like pop up on them. 
Okay, I've had people do this to me. Uh, Danny Slack would remember the time I was in the van with him going to the races before he was a Christian with his group of friends. Okay, and I didn't know that people driving to racing events in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, okay, to redneck country, that they open containers in the cars like the normal. I didn't know that. Okay, I'm in the car, I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> and the language, too, is... Like, for uh, NASCAR and golf, the only th- reason that you enjoy watching that stuff is because of something called color commentary, okay? And it makes this going around in circles. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, I, I'll convey It happens to me with golf. Because if someone describing it describes it adequately, it captures your attention. And your wife walks in and says, how can you watch that? I say, if I had a TV, I could, okay? I don't have a TV, so I can't watch it. I would love to watch golf, honey. It would... Increase my saltiness on the golf course, okay? Um, Share the relationships that God has given you. In that situation with Danny Slack, I was seriously out of my league, okay? I hadn't been, if my dad knew I was there, even though I was probably, I was 40 years old, he probably would have still been mad at me. And I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? And then I thought, I was there for a purpose. You know why I was there? Because I didn't want Dan Slack to think that I was judging him. That, yeah, your life is totally, completely different than mine. In ways that I don't even want to explain right now. Okay, we're driving down the road. Here's what Dan does. He's driving. He's being good, because he's driving. He goes, uh, and one guy's just very colorful. He was a former driver, okay? And I imagine what kind of driver he was. <coughs> Danny Slack's driver, <laughs> seven of us in the face, like, Tim's a pastor. <laughs> it was great. Of course, Danny can say anything he wants to because he's so big, you know, no one's, what are you going to say? Shut up, Dan, you know, and live? No. So it was like, holy, <laughs> he is? <laughs> okay. Um. The reason I went that night was to be with Dan. You know what God did in Dan's life? Three years later on Easter Sunday morning, God crushed his heart. I mean, it was a rebel heart and showed him that there was for him a savior. Okay, now there were a number of people in his life already. Tell you this, David Dietrich had his 50th birthday party. I was invited to that party. Okay? At that party, I met Dan Slack. Look, if you live with the conviction that I do not have any chance encounters in my life, that God is in and through and behind and working all things together for good, if you believe that, then you will go out on Monday morning with a different perspective. You will go to Dave Dietrich's birthday party. By the way, this is 10 years ago, so Dave has to be like turning... Yeah, he turned 50, okay? But we, we tend to go to events. What, what were they? They were sharing some Christian friends together with some people that didn't know Christ. And there was an engagement, a, a sprinkling of salt into a situation, and a change. And now, and by the way, one of the reasons Dan was willing to come is because a lady that cut my hair when I first moved here, which would be a lot easier for her to cut it now, the lady that cut my hair then was a friend of Pam Slack's. She trusted Christ. Before she moved to California, you know what she did? She made a beeline for her best friend and made sure that she knew the gospel. She couldn't help herself. If you know Diana, you know that lady, she's out of control. 
Okay, she just cannot control herself when it comes to sharing what God has done for her. And so she sprinkled salt there. Guess what happened as a result? Corey and Angela moves, move in next door. Moves? Moes? What is your name? Okay, they, they move in next door and guess what? They think they should invite him to their house and be an influence in their lives. And guess what? Corey Moses is reading scripture in church today. Why? Because somebody, somebody refused to be in the shaker. Somebody refused to be a silent witness. They've made an intentional choice by practical means. They invited him over for dinner. Invited him to a Bible study. I think it was purpose-driven life. Right? When we did that, however many years ago that was. And two years later, Corey is trusting Christ. And Angela had trusted Christ through Pam's influence and witness. And John Slack is a Christian. And Pam Slack is a Christian. And Amy Slack is a Christian. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you can go to work on Monday and just be an employee, I pray that God will change your heart. I pray that God will make you uncomfortable about just being an employee. I pray that he will shake your world. And maybe the crystals have gotten a little moisture on them and they need to be broken. So that you can begin to be a person who really makes a difference. Who prays for a burden to be lit inside of their heart. That they have to go to God and say, God, I can't be quiet. I can't be quiet. Find practical ways to introduce your stuff and your relationships to other people who will begin to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And folks, let me say this, because I think this is an important note of clarification in terms of it is practical. Most of the conversions that have occurred through this church have not occurred in this room. Okay, and I hope you understand what I'm saying as we look down the road at building. Okay, the building is the place where we are equipped, where we are taught the Word of God, where we are reminded in worship of the great and glorious things that God has done for us. And then, we've got to hear with the joy that is revitalized, that is more potent than it was before, and we go out and we say, God, I want you today, I want you on Monday to use my life. And I want to do it, folks, I'm just telling you, in the most practical ways possible, knowing that there's going to be some hit and miss. I make this confession to you. I have a neighbor named Mario. His wife has breast cancer. God has a way of showing me these things on Sunday morning before I preach to make me humble. I have not gone over and visited them yet. and It's been months. It's been months. My wife has. She does a great job with this stuff. Reaching out to people, loving people, serving people, taking meals. Doesn't matter who they are, what they're like. Just realizing that life is a mission field. Being a person of influence and making a difference. May God help us, each of us. There are different ways that we do this. Some of us wear t-shirts. Some of us have bumper stickers, fish emblems, whatever kind of stuff on our cars. Throw a lot against the wall because not everything sticks. Okay? Throw a lot against the wall. And just continue by the grace of God to say, God, I want my life to amount to something that is influential for your glory, not for me. Not for me. <clears throat> something else that follows on this discussion. 
being practical leads to being pure. I don't think that I can overstate this in terms of the importance of it in relationship to sharing your faith. The world that we live in despises inauthenticity. The world that we live in rightly despises religious hypocrisy. And their antennas are up. Their radar is very, very good at picking it out. You can hide it, but they have MRI. They can see it. They can smell it. They can sense it. You say, Tim, what are you saying? Make sure that you are living the real life before you go out there and try to engage with people. Because when you live a pure life, here's what you will sense. A degree of, not brashness, but a degree of confidence and boldness that God, who created the heavens and the earth, wants to use the circumstances of my life today to make a difference in His kingdom. And that we can go out with confidence saying, by God's design, I am the soul of the earth and I am to be the light of the world. But the tragic truth is this. We need to be pure, but potency and purity always go together. So in, Mar, in Matthew and in Luke, Jesus says, if the salt loses its saltiness. The idea in the ancient world was it becomes diluted with impurities, loses its effectiveness. It becomes, two times he says, it, it becomes good for nothing. It is either thrown into a garbage heap, meaning it is just wasted, or it is thrown on the path and people trample it underfoot. It is only good for pavement. Meaning what? It's of no influence. It makes no difference. Folks, here's the tragic truth. You can know the joy of Christ and live a life that makes no difference. That's the tragic truth. A life that lacks purpose, reason, to go to work to be a different person for the glory of God. How do we lose our influence? How do we become weak, anemic, and diluted so much that Jesus says it cannot be made salty again? Here's how. Remember that you can lose your influence. It's what he means in both passages when he talks about it. Salt of this kind can become diluted and ineffective, simply becomes fit for the garbage heap. Philippians 2 verse 14. If you're open to there, I'll read this for you. Here's what the text says. In terms of being pure as you seek to be an influence, do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, I can stop right here I think, and challenge a major issue that is present within the world that we live in and particularly with Christians. This text tells us to do everything without murmuring and complaining. You say, Pastor Tim, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Guard your tongue because your heart, your values, and your desires are revealed by what comes out of your mouth. At work, it is not difficult to stand out in this way. Okay, now, what is Paul saying? He's saying do everything without murmuring and complaining so that you can become blameless and pure, people in process, children of God, our Father in heaven's children. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. I read that text and here's what I thought. I think that's how most people in America would describe America. A lot of crookedness, a lot of depravity at every level. It goes from Wall Street to Main Street to the rural areas of this country. It is pervasive. And it is, please understand this, it is not new. Okay, when you complain 
okay, and argue and debate over how bad things are in our country because you think it's never been this bad before, you are either ignorant or historically naive, okay? One of the two. You are not well-informed historically if you think it's never been this bad anywhere before. Okay, and when I hear Christians bark and complain over and over and over again, I want you to know this, okay? And I believe I have scriptural mandate to say this. You are diluting your influence in your culture. It's your country. Go out and make a difference. Don't be known as the complainer, the arguer, the griper. That's how we dilute our... People don't want to be around people that complain. People don't want to be around people that argue. They just avoid them. Why? They're no fun to be around. And whatever they have, virally speaking, I don't want it. I don't want what they have. Why don't you be something that they look at and say, I wish I had what you have. And folks, I'm saying this at the most practical level. In your marriage relationship, are you light and salt? In your relationship with your children, do people watch you with your kids? I'm not saying having perfect kids either. Please understand me. But do they watch you with your kids and see a substantive, measurable difference? Or do they see you just like everybody else with your kids? In your workplace, are you the hardest worker or are you trying to be the hardest worker and the person that doesn't sit by the water cooler sharing complaints and bitterness and gossip? See, with our tongue, we destroy and dilute our influence. We smother the light of Christ in our hearts. God wants to break us of this, I believe, so strongly because along with purity comes influence. I think it is no mistake that Paul picks up the analogy of Jesus in relationship to what comes out of your mouth. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Here's what he says. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Now think about that. Let your conversation, you know what conversation is in Scripture? It is your way of of life. That's what the word means. That are expressed through your tongue. When you complain, you know what people assume? You are just like everybody else in my life. Being with you is like being at a family reunion. Okay? That's what they assume. You look alike and you look a lot and sound a lot like the people that are all around me. And there is nothing attractive. There's nothing luminous and glowing. There's nothing seasoned with your words. Folks, I'm telling you, this part is not hard. It just demands that I be honest about my sin before God. It demands that I love my neighbor as myself. Because I'm going to tell you, if you want to kill bitterness, complaining, and arguing, start doing what Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you will not talk about him. Someone comes up to you at the water cooler and starts sharing garbage. Why don't you say, I won't listen to that about them or about you. I won't talk about them, and I promise I won't talk about you. They're going to be like, you are viral. You have a disease. <laughs> I'm telling you. I am telling you, if you kill complaining and arguing, your light will brighten, and your influence will increase. It's not hard. I just need to be willing to take this step forward. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to share with you an illustration. This one's negative on me, okay? Last winter, I was going to the gym. 
I think this morning, it was about 5 o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, you know, this topic of purity, and then this morning I'm thinking about this situation I got myself involved in. Driving down Route 57, probably, I was in a 50 mile an hour zone, probably going 53, 54 miles an hour, and a car is on my tail. How do you feel when that happens? At 5 in the morning, kill. <laughs> Slam on your brakes. <laughs> Get them, Okay. I'm like, riding, riding, riding. Get to a place where there's a slight kind of passing zone, and they fly around me. And I just smiled and said, Jesus, bless them, love them through me. <laughs> no, no. We got to the four-lane or the six-lane section of Route 22, right? And there's traffic at that time of morning over there, if you've ever been there at that time of morning. All the other weird people that get up that early. I saw my chance. They went over the left lane, said, I'll go to the right lane. I'm going to beat them to my destination. That's how stupid I am. And I did beat them. Then I noticed at the exit for the free bridge that goes to everybody's gym, they had their turn signal on. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I put my turn signal on and went down to the light and I put now, I'm going to go straight, so I don't have a turn signal on. I realize they don't have theirs on either. I'm thinking, no way. I put my turn signal on. I made a left turn. They went straight into everybody's gym. I drove around for about half an hour trying to decide... <laughs> Should I go to the gym or not today? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I felt like, oh my word, that we never know how we are diluting and dimming our influence because we let our flesh, our pride, and I, okay, there it is. Okay, I do stupid stuff. I was so convicted because I, I couldn't even go to the gym. I couldn't get myself to go. I didn't even tell my wife doesn't even know this. I was just like, oh, what an idiot you are. Go to the gym, pray, God will use you. Not today. <laughs> Thankfully, it was dark. <laughs> looking at my car in the parking lot over there at the gym, thinking I'm going to get him. The fate of our light is always slow, almost indiscernible, until all of a sudden you realize it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. It's lacking seasoning and influence. Folks, God wants to use you. He will use you in the most practical ways to make a difference in your world. In your world, that is, according to Philippians 2, a crooked and depraved generation. That, <clears throat> in that setting, here's my conviction. In that setting, it is not hard to be a person of influence. It, it is not hard to be different in the world that God has called us to live in. It just takes a choice. And it takes practical decisions. And it takes the pursuit of personal purity. And next Sunday I'm going to look at the topic of prayer. Because if you do not tap into the power of God, as Paul says twice at the end of his letters, pray for me that I, with boldness... Why is Paul asking? Because he knows his flesh. He knows that denying Christ in subtle fashions was not only an issue for Peter... 
It's an issue for every Christian who gets that they're to be salt and light, but wrestles with the practical ramifications, who wrestles with sin in their life that they need to confess so that the intensification in their life can begin to take place in a more clear and powerful way. What should motivate us to be people of influence? And I'll give you this very simple statement. Because there's only one thing in this world that's going to last forever. It's not your garden. It's not your car. It's not your house. It's people. See, only one thing will matter in eternity. And it's people. Can you be intentional? Would you be practical? Would you pursue purity? And say, God, I want my life to change. You may be sitting here this morning, you may say, Pastor Tim, this issue of complaining and arguing is <clears throat> it's viral in my life and I need God to kill it. I'm going to tell you something. Only God can. Only God can show you the negative impact of it on your relationships at work. And when He convicts you, cry out to Him and say, God, please cleanse my heart. And to go out Monday morning, like the guy did that led my family to Christ as a huckster, selling groceries door to door, Frank Robinson shared the gospel with my mom on a regular basis. Four kids driving her nuts. We drove her so nuts that she said, I'll try anything. <laughs> and I tell you this, he didn't know this. But in the garage on the back side of that property, my dad, who was working 100 hours a week trying to get a business going, he was capable of doing that. I watched it my whole life. Without Christ, he had a nervous breakdown. He said, I just disintegrated. And no one ever knew. Can't tell your wife. She's got four kids, three of them born in 27 months. Yeah, it's possible. Later this month, we will be 58, 59, 60, or <laughs> 48, 49, 50, and 51. There's a two-week period where that is our ages. You can't tell her you broke down. And God, in His sovereignty, sent a very average man into our life who thought we needed to know about Christ. And he did not know how much. At my uncle's funeral, I counted 60 people that came to Christ in my family as a result of Frank Robinson's influence in our life. I told you this story before, but I'm going to tell you something. If that doesn't motivate you, Okay, I have nothing else to offer. If going out and seeing families and light, look, the reason this church is here is because Frank Robinson shared the gospel with me. And because in Philadelphia, 30 years before that, a guy named Frank Forrest shared the gospel with my pastor who led Frank Robinson to Christ. And do you understand? It doesn't take a lot of salt. It doesn't take a lot of light when it's really dark. A candle does a good job. Got one lit in my basement, seven watts. At five in the morning, it illuminates the whole basement. I can see everything pretty clearly. Would you be a light? Would you be salt? Would you be like Frank Robinson and say, God, just this prayer, use me. Use me. Let's bow our heads together this morning.